is the last GCF uh, of the year. You've made it. Kudos to the brave ones who came out on Dead Week. Although it still feels weird to say that. When I was in school, it was just the week before finals. Now you guys have all these names. Like, it's pretty ominous. Dead Week, really? It's not that big of a deal. You have a whole week until finals, okay? A week to study. Um, anyway, uh, this, this is it. Um, for your school, this is it. There's a lot of things brewing in your mind as you prepare for finals, as you look at what you're going to be doing this summer from going home to getting a job to doing internships to some of you doing project. Um, and for 24 weeks um, this year, we've been looking at, at GCF, the book of Mark, asking ourselves the question, who is Jesus? And while we've answered that question throughout the years by looking at the book, tonight we get the true answer. Because tonight we look at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And as much as there's, we could have many things on our plate right now, I, I want to, us to pause tonight, be mindless about everything else, and just hear um, what Mark is going to teach us tonight. And in looking at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we see proofs of our faith. We see apologetic Notes, we see theological implications, we see history, we see drama, we see plot, we see mystery, we see all of this. But as we look at this story tonight, I want you to hear this story for you. I want you to take off your, your in-church glasses or I'm just here to, to sit glasses and I want you to hear this story for you. Because tonight we get into the gospel according to Mark, the last scenes of Jesus' life. But before we go, I just want to pray um, as we get started. And Lord, we come before you. Um, we always come before you as needy people because compared to who you are and what you have, uh, we are lacking. But Lord, in your mercy, you've come to us. You've given us Jesus. You've given us faith. You've given us mercy and kindness abundantly, Lord. And so I ask um, as we look at your precious word tonight, Lord, that we don't just read a story of a man named Jesus, but we read the story of a Savior. And I pray, Lord, that we see the story of our own salvation personally. We see what Jesus has done to, to earn our salvation. We see what Christ has done to make us right before God, to take those who are enemies and make them friends. And we pray that we see the glory of God in the cross of Christ tonight. We pray this in your name. Amen. So last week, uh, we're picking up our story in Mark 14, uh, verse 12. And last week, we saw Jesus was betrayed. Um, betrayed by Judas, and, and we saw now that this was the time where the Passover was picking. It was this Jewish feast, and they call the Passover um, the time of unleavened bread. And, and where the story picks up, it, it was, it was the, the day they would actually sacrifice the Passover lamb. And so throughout Jerusalem, all of the Jews were coming, and they were going to sacrifice the Passover lamb. And Jesus' disciples came to him, and they said, where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover that we may eat it? And Jesus took two of his disciples and he told them, he said, go into the city and, and in the city you'll find a man carrying a water jug. And when you find him, follow him. And wherever he enters, tell the owner of that house, the teacher says, where's the guest room for me to eat so that we can prepare Passover with my disciples? This then is where you will make preparations for us. So then going into the city, the disciples found it just as Jesus has told them. And there they made preparations for the Passover. That evening as Jesus came into Jerusalem with the rest of the twelve, they were reclining and eating at the table. And Jesus said to them, he said, I assure you, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me here at this table. 
And they began to be distressed and they pleaded with Jesus saying, surely it's not I. Surely I will not betray you. But Jesus says to them, it is one of you. It is one of the 12, the one who's dipping his bread in the bowl with me. Jesus continued, he said, for the son of man will go as it is written about him. But woe to the man to whom the son of man is betrayed. It would be better if he was never born than to have betrayed him. And that moment reaching into the bowl with Jesus was Judas, the betrayer, who last week we saw betrayed Jesus, the Savior of the world, for a mere 30 pieces of silver. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body. The disciples probably were still stunned and confused and then Jesus took a cup. And in giving thanks, he gave it to them, and so they all drank from the cup. And Jesus said to them, this is the blood that establishes my new covenant, and it is poured out for many. I tell you the truth, I will no longer drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes and we drink in a new way. And after they sang songs and hymns of worship, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And as they were on their way, Jesus said to them, all of you will fall away. All of you 12 disciples will fall away because it's written, they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm resurrected, I will go ahead of you. Peter piped up vocally saying, even if everyone falls away, Jesus, I certainly will not. But Jesus says to Peter, I tell you the truth, Peter, today, This very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter kept insisting, saying, Lord, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And at this point, all the rest of the disciples joined in saying the same thing. Even if we die with you, Lord, we will not deny you. We will not fall away. We will not abandon you. But at this point, they arrived at the garden called Gethsemane. He told his disciples, he said, Sit here while I pray. But Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and he went on a little further, and he became deeply burdened. Jesus said to these three, my soul is sorrowful, even to the point of death. Stay awake and pray. Jesus left the three and went a little farther, walking only until he fell to the ground, and he began to pray knowing that the hour of the cross, the hour that the plan of God was moving for was at hand, he began to pray that this hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Yet, not what I will, Lord, but what you will. Finishing his prayer, Jesus returned to the three and he found them sleeping. He said, Simon, are you still sleeping? Jesus asked Peter, couldn't you stay awake for one hour? Stay awake and pray that you might not enter into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And once more, Jesus left and returned further into the garden and prayed the same thing, that this hour might be removed. But coming back, he found the three asleep once more because it was late and they couldn't keep their eyes open. They didn't know what to say to him. And a third time Jesus came back, and a third time the disciples were still sleeping. This time Jesus spoke to them saying, 
Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. Look, my betrayer is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed to the hands of sinners. Get up and let us go. Immediately while Jesus was still speaking, Judas, the one of the twelve, the the betrayer, suddenly arrived. And with him was a mob carrying clubs and swords, a mob of chief priests and scribes and elders. Now Judas had given them a signal and he said, the one I kiss, that is the one. Arrest him and take him away under guard. Judas then approached Jesus in the garden. He said, Rabbi, which means teacher. And he kissed him on the cheek. And immediately the mob took hold of Jesus and arrested him, but not before one of Jesus' followers withdrew his sword and struck the high priest's slave, cutting off his ear. But Jesus said to them, Have you come with swords and clubs to arrest me as if I'm a criminal? Did I not stand in your temple courts daily teaching in the temple? Why didn't you arrest me there? But the scriptures must be fulfilled. And so Jesus allowed them to take him. Then all of the disciples ran away. Now there was a certain young man who remained who was wearing a loincloth, but when the guards tried to seize him and take him with Jesus, he was so terrified to not go with Jesus that he left his loincloth behind, running away naked. And so the mob led Jesus away to the high priest. And there on the trial, the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes, they all convened. As we're taking them, Peter followed, but at a distance, so as not to be noticed. He followed right up to the courtyard of the high priest, but he went no further. And there he stopped with the temple police and warmed himself by the fire as Jesus and the officials went deeper into the complex. Inside the complex, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for a testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they could find none. Even though many were giving false testimony, their testimonies did not agree. Some even stood up giving false testimonies, saying against him, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made by hands, and in three days I will raise a temple not made by hands. Yet even in this, this testimony, they did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them all and he questioned Jesus, saying, do, do you not have an answer to what these men are testifying to you? Why do you not defend yourself? But Jesus kept silent and refused to answer them. And the high priest then asked a more pointed question, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am said Jesus. And all of you will see the Son of Man at the right hand of the power coming with the clouds. Hearing this, the high priest tore his robes and says, why do we still need witnesses? Is this not enough? We have heard the blasphemy. Dear court, what is your decision? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. Then some began to spit on him, they blindfolded him, and they beat him, yelling at him in jest, prophesy, prophesy, king of the Jews, prophesy, Jesus the great prophet. 
And then the temple police, the ones who were just out in the court with Peter, also took him and they slapped him. Meanwhile, Peter was below in the courtyard. And one of the high priest's servants came and seeing Peter warming himself by the fire, she said to him, you're with that Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. Then Peter withdrew to the entryway and the rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw her again, she began to whisper to those standing beside her saying, this man is one of them, a follower of Jesus. But Peter again denied it. Only a little more time had passed before those standing there said, you're you're certainly one of his followers for you're a Galilean where Jesus is from. Then he started to curse and swear an oath. I swear to you, I do not know this man whom you are talking about. And immediately, a rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Truly, I say to you, before the rooster crows two times, you will deny me three times. And Peter began to weep. Where Judas had betrayed the Christ, Peter had denied him. And in the morning, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and the whole Sanhedrin had gathered for they had to decide what to do next with Jesus for they had to appeal to a Roman authority before the religious courts could take any sort of action. So tying him up, they led Jesus away to Pilate, the Roman authority. Pilate asked Jesus in a new trial, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, you've said it. And the chief priest then began to accuse him of many things. Then Pilate, questioning him again, said, Are you not going to say anything? Look at how many accusations they bring against you. Why do you not speak? Why do you not defend yourself? Why do you not speak up in the face of such bold accusations? But Jesus still said nothing. So Pilate was amazed. At the festival of the Passover, it was Pilate's custom to release to the Jews one of their own prisoners. And in prison at this time was a man named Barabbas, who was a murderer. And the crowd came to Pilate and asked him to do as was his custom and release to them a prisoner. Perceiving that the chief priests wanted to murder Jesus out of envy, he said to them, what do you want me to do with the king of the Jews? Trying to leverage Jesus versus Barabbas, but the chief priests stirred up the crowd and asked for the release of Barabbas instead, a murderer in exchange for a savior. So Pilate then asked them again, then what do you want me to do with the one you call king of the Jews? And they all shouted, crucify him, crucify him. But Pilate said to them, why? What wrong has he done? But ignoring the question, they shouted all the more, crucify him, crucify him. Then willing to gratify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And having flogged and whipped Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took Jesus away and went deep into their headquarters where they called together the whole company of soldiers together. And there they mocked him 
dressing him in purple robes, the color of majesty. They fashioned for him a crown made not of silver or gold, but of thorns, pressing it deep into his flesh. And they began to salute him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Look at this king! Look at his crown! And they kept hitting him on the head with staffs and sticks and spitting on him, getting down on their knees before him to pay homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his purple robe, put him back in his own shabby clothes, soaked with blood, and led him out to be crucified. Now, it was the custom of those being crucified to carry their own cross, but because Jesus' beating was so intense, they had to find a man named Simon of Cyrene to carry Jesus' cross for him. And they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they tried to give him a rude drink of wine mixed with myrrh, but Jesus would not take it. And there they crucified him and divided his clothes, casting lots to see who would take a trinket home of this crucified king of the Jews. Now it was nine in the morning when they began to crucify him. And on his cross, as was customary of those being crucified, was written the charge against him. And the charge against Jesus read, King of the Jews. And they crucified him between two criminals, one on his left and one on his right. And in so doing, the scripture was fulfilled that Jesus would be numbered among the transgressors, numbered among the sinners. Those who passed by the scene of the crucifixion yelled insults at Jesus, shaking their heads at him, saying, the one who would demolish the temple and build it again in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are so mighty. In the same way, the chief priests and the scribes began to mock him, saying he saved others, but he can't save himself. Let the Messiah Let the king of the Jews come down from the cross in order that we may all believe. And even those who were dying next to him began to mock him and taunt him. And noon came, midday, yet darkness covered the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi! Lama sabachthani, which is translated in Aramaic, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some heard Jesus say this, they said, look, he's calling Elijah, the prophet of the Old Testament. Not wanting him to die too quickly, they went and got him wine on a staff and offered him a drink saying, wait, stop, don't let him die. Let's see if Elijah will come and take him down from the cross. Obviously in jest. But at this time, Jesus let out a loud cry, and he breathed his last. And immediately in the temple, the curtain which separated the Holy of Holies from the courtyard, the curtain which was the divider between the presence of God and the people of God, as if from hands not present and hands unseen, it was torn in two pieces from top to the bottom. And in this moment, the centurion who stood before Jesus confessed with much sincerity, truly this man was the Son of God. And there in the distance, 
was a group of women who had followed Jesus' ministry, watching and bearing witness to the death of their Messiah. And when evening came, they sought to remove Jesus from the cross, for the Sabbath was nearing. And Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin, went boldly before Pilate to request the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised that Jesus was already dead, for often it takes days for those to die of crucifixion and a slow, painful death. But having confirmed with a centurion who was on the, the scene that Jesus was truly dead, he granted the body to Joseph. And after Joseph had bought some fine linen, he took Jesus down from the cross and he wrapped him in it. And then he placed Jesus in a tomb cut in the rock and with the help of many Roman soldiers moved a large stone in front of the entrance of the tomb. Now Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus watched where Jesus was laid. And three days passed. It was after the Sabbath, and Mary and Mary brought spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. Although they were having great debate with one another on the way, saying, Who will roll away the stone for us? For it is very great. But looking up, they observed the stone, which had already been rolled away, even though it was very large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side. They were amazed and afraid. Don't be afraid, he told them. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they put him? Now go, tell the disciples, and tell Peter, for he's going before you. To Galilee, and there you will find him, just as he told you. So they went out, startled, running from the tomb, because trembling and amazement had overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And so ends the Gospel of Mark. And what Mary and Mary tried to comprehend with great fear and terror, we who have the rest of Scripture are able to have a better perspective on it because we know Jesus was not in the tomb because he was the Christ, because he is the Son of God. And just as he predicted, after three days, he rose from the dead. And the irony of this story is the mocking jest that was thrown to humiliate and bring our Savior lower than dirt was this come down from the cross so that we might believe. You see, the chief priests in the Sanhedrin thought that the only way they would come to believe in Jesus is if he removed himself from the cross. But Jesus knew it was only by staying on that cross that he would bring true belief to the world. You see, Jesus died Jesus poured his blood out for the sins of many, for the Son of Man came not to serve or to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the chief sin which plagues humanity is not hate crimes, pride, war, anger, envy, or lust. The chief sin of mankind is unbelief, blinded eyes, dead hearts, refusing and rejecting the Savior who created and the Christ who redeems. But on the cross... The sin of unbelief became undone. 
and to look at the story of Peter. Peter, this man who rose above the rest, who was vocal and foolish at times in his support of Jesus, who says, even if I have to die, Jesus, I will not fade away. I will stay with you forever. The same Peter who in three ways denied the Christ. And you can imagine that morning, the first day of the week, three days after the demeanor of Peter. Jesus was dead and his lasting legacy was the rejection of Christ. What shame, what guilt, what pain. But did you see the message the angel had for the Marys? Go and tell the disciples and tell Peter that I've gone before you. Go and tell the disciples. Go and tell the ones who have fallen away. Go and tell the ones who have abandoned me. Go and tell the ones who valued themselves over me that I am alive for their sake, that I have risen for those who have fallen away, that I have come for those who have rejected me, that I have given up my life for those who have left me. You see, the cross reconciled Peter and restored his hope where he is no longer a babbling one who has rejected the Christ, but he becomes an ambassador. Why? Because he sees the cross not merely as a theological icon, but he sees the cross as the reconciliation and restoration of Peter himself. And as the cross has brought Peter back to Christ, so it does with you. For those in feeble, faint-hearted faith, who are born in the dead of disbelief, that same cross stands before you right now. So take Jesus. There are many things to consider in college. There are many things to consider going on from here. You could take away academics. You could take away a degree. You could take away a fiance. You could take away knowledge. You could take away student debt. But I beg you, as you leave this campus, as you go forth, as you break for summer, take Christ. Because on the cross, Christ has made it capable for him to take you to take those who are dead, to take those who have blinded eyes and to open them to the glory of Jesus. Repent and believe, for he is risen just as he said and he is going before you to Galilee and there you will find him waiting with open arms, accepting those for whom he has died. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the weightiest and most important message you will ever hear. Look to Jesus and live. Look at the cross and see not the Christ who died for sins, but see your sin dying with him. And as it was commanded, let Jesus go before you as you live your life for his mission and for his glory. Repent and believe, for that's the task of a disciple. Let's pray. Lord, what more can we add to your word? 
What more can we add to your story? What more can we add to your redemption? What more can we add to your salvation? There is nothing we can add except for our belief, except for our heart seeing what is done and saying that is my Savior, that is my Lord, that is my sin for which he died. And Lord, change our hearts. Restore our position before you. Lord, we thank you that you stayed on the cross. We thank you that you submitted yourself to the will of God. We thank you that you drank this cup. We thank you for the new covenant we brings. We thank you that you shed your blood for many. So Lord, fill us with you. Fill us with your hope. Move us and purpose us. Praise in your name. Amen.